Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Your children. Opportunity to come here to this place to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that rests upon me in your word. Thank you for the help, the healing, the empowerment, the love, and the prosperity that you have for each and every one of your children. That help, we hope that they all receive today, Lord, that they may go and help others. We are blessed to be a blessing. We thank you for your precious manna from heaven, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was read across something the other day that I had written in this old book about 12 or 13 years ago. And I thought, why not mention it on this Father's Day? Happy Father's Day, by the way, to all of you who are fathers and to all those who will ever hear this message today and in the future. God bless you. Even if you're not here in our presence, we are praying for you and we love you. And God's healing power is at work, even at the distance. It says here, I wrote, get the men, the family will follow. said, when women attend church alone, and now listen, we live in a culture and a world and a time where there are all sorts of predicaments and situations, and I know that. I'm not talking about that, obviously. Just giving you some facts from over a decade ago. I don't know what they are now. But it said, when women come to church, 17% of the time, the children will follow. Eighty out of a hundred women in the church without their men. I, we have a great balance here, by the way, so this may not be for any. It usually isn't, you know. God is building this. There is a place for the mighty men in the church. And then there was a message to the women. Don't think when your man gets saved that he's going to become super dad or super husband or super Christian. Be thankful. If you make him feel like a failure as he is, uh, at his attempts in church, you'll run him off. Anyway, thought I'd share that. <laughs> It's important in a society <clears throat> that rewards uh, young women for staying single with children <clears throat> and all of the crazy teachings out there that they are exposed to, they need the truth. They need the church. And they need the salt to get out of the salt shaker and to share God's truth with them. Amen. Amen. 
I'm convinced that God will put people in your life that I will never be exposed to. Billy Graham was never exposed to. Andrew Womack is never going to affect. But you have a testimony for them, a word for them, a gentle correction if God opens that door of opportunity. You know, that's something that has to be earned. You don't just... That's why so many people are offended when people just go up and preach at them. You know, they may not have earned that access yet. And then they could just do more damage. I've seen it done so many times. Just a tidbit there for you. Today I want to... I want to talk to you about learning how to walk on daddy's, or to ride on daddy's shoulders a little bit. Why do dads take two pair of socks to the golf course? In case they get a hole in one. That's a dad joke for sure. Two kinds of strength in this world, folks. Let's talk about both of them for a minute. One is understood and acknowledged by the world. It's, even if it's on an individual basis, but we'll talk in the broader sense, but it all boils down to the same thing. It's political, it's military in nature, it's master over those Weaker than it, it controls, it subjugates, it dominates, it enforces its own will, and by its very nature, it is self-serving in its motives. And we know how important motives are. You might get a better picture in your mind of it and describe it as just the law of the jungle. Huh? Of the beasts of prey, the the lion, the tiger, the bear, the wolf. Mm. It's significant that the Bible has a great prophetic preview of the close of this age, doesn't it? It describes in detail various political powers that arise and are represented by those types of beasts that I just named, aren't they? Along with others. These all typify the kind of strength that the world understands and really strives after. All of us have done it and still might vacillate back and forth from time to time if we're not prayerful or careful. (laughs) Careful for nothing. Amen. I find more and more Christians live by this type of strength. I have a much larger congregation on an individual basis and all around this nation and the world and uh, sometimes in other settings, but 
I talk to a lot, a broad range of folks in lots of different walks of life, and people are the same. I see the good in them, I see the God in them, but I also know that the Bible has taught me that the heart of man is basically evil, not good, apart from God. You know, even though people are living under this sort of strength, and their own strength is what it basically amounts to, they they try to reason it away, they'll explain it away. Because they recognize it. And they'll say, but, and then they'll give you all the reasons why it's really not that. It's really, they're still living God's plan. But it sure sounds a lot like theirs. Hello. (laughs) The Bible implies that this kind of strength will play an increasing role in events that will bring the end of the, this age to a close. You know what I'm talking about when I say this age. There's been different dispensations of time with God. I guess it's important yes, that I explain that this age is the church age. This age is not just the church age, but the age of grace and truth. Amen. Which came with Jesus Christ. It started on the day of Pentecost. 50 days after the Lord was resurrected from the dead, 10 days after He ascended to be with the Father. And it will not change God's way of dealing with people, just like He dealt with people a certain way, His people, the Hebrews, in, for 1,500 years under the law. That was a dispensation of time. Now we're in the church age, and it will not change until Jesus returns. Amen. My wife is convinced that neither one of us is going home before the other because he's coming back to get us. Praise God. Either way, we're going to be with him just like that. You know, we're all just here for a flicker. And this is what it's about. Everything about our eternal destination and address and benefits has to do with the decisions we make regarding the Son of God in this life. Amen. So that's what I mean by the close of this age, this church age. The other type of strength In the book of Revelation, which is about where we're fixing to go, go to the fifth chapter. (laughs) It's all fives with me, (laughs) y'all. Where all of God's purposes in the book of Revelation, they're all worked out. They come to a triumphant conclusion, don't they? Amen. Non-believers read Revelation and they think, I don't want no part of that. But when you fall in love with God, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you read Revelation, you're like, yeah. It's good stuff, man. Jesus is presented as the sovereign Lord of the universe. Which we already know. And the title given to Him is the Lion 
of the tribe of Judah, right? We're talking about this other kind of strength now. Watch this. But when John, the revelator, sees him, Jesus, he doesn't see a lion, but a lamb. Doesn't he? Looking as if it has been slain. Revelation chapter 5. Verses 5 and 6. They're all upset because no one can open the scroll. (laughs) John's even weeping about it. Loudly. says. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. In the fifth verse it says this. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen. Amen. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, the most, the place of highest authority and power and position in the entire galaxies, he looks, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. (coughs) That says, as briefly and as clearly as it possibly can state, the difference in what the world sees as strength and what God sees as strength. In the Bible, horns typify strength or power. Amen? I'm picturing a man who went and grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. And eyes are a type. I love type and shadows, so that's why I love the Old Testament, because I get it. It's all about Jesus, even then. Just hidden in type and shadow. But eyes are a type of wisdom. So we're looking at strength and wisdom. And this lamb has seven horns and eyes. Amen? And they represent God's spiritual strength and, and wisdom. But the world regards this as foolishness, doesn't it? They do. Let's look and see. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25. You know I can't just do that. I have to back up a little. <laughs> look at this. I'm going to start. By the time you find the 25th verse, I'll be there. But I'm starting at the 20th. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? 
Paul is sometimes a little sarcastic <laughs> from his great revelation. And we'll find out later how he deals with it. But he is sometimes, and it's quite funny actually. Where is the one who's wise? He's talking about wise in their own eyes, amen? This worldly wisdom and strength we're talking about. Where is the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I pray that I will never boast of anything except the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I know I fall short, but that's my earnest prayer. God's greatest gifts are always on the lowest shelves where you have to stoop down to get them, folks. He, Jesus, is the only source of divine power, wisdom, and grace. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, took upon Himself all the evil that was due to us as natural-born sinners and rebels, which we all were at one time, so that we could receive all the good due to Him. Amen? He died our death that we might have His life. He was made sin that we might share in His righteousness. He was made a curse so that we could share in the blessing. And He was wounded so we could be healed. There are other things. But the point I want to make today is Jesus, through His death on the cross, was made the foolishness and weakness weakness of the world that we might receive in exchange the strength and wisdom of God. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. You get it. I'm just playing with y'all. Y'all are with me, aren't you? Yes, sir. If you ever want to put your spiritual antennas up, it's okay. And you'll, it won't hurt. Jesus, through the cross, He makes available to us an opportunity to replace our foolishness with His wisdom, our weakness with His strength, 
And they come as we wait patiently at the foot of the cross. And he said to remind you that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yes, regarding this church age in which we now live, yeah, God has not changed. Not from the day of Pentecost to the day Jesus returns. He has not evolved. He has not changed his mind about anything. The church in the book of Acts is what the church today is supposed to look like. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, a familiar passage of scripture. I have it on my refrigerator along with a bunch of others that I confess daily. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. He gives a beautiful depiction of what I'm talking about here. Isaiah 40, starting at the 28th verse. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He does not faint or grow weary. This is God's strength. His understanding is unsearchable. There's his wisdom. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. This is a picture of natural strength. It always runs its course. Amen. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Our natural strength is insufficient, folks. If you haven't found that out yet, then you still got a little ways to go down. I'm not prophesying that over you. I'm just telling you where to find God, where to find His strength and His wisdom. As we wait on the Lord... We renew our strength. You know that literal word in the Hebrew for renew in our strength? Thought I might get an answer over here. It's really exchange. Exchange. We exchange strength with God. Isn't that beautiful? At the end of you, you find Him. His strength, His wisdom. This passage of Scripture allows for three things. For us to soar high. There's a beautiful depiction with the eagles. High above all the other birds and 
animals of the world. It's tremendous and dramatic. Amen. And then, another thing is, he describes running and, and not growing tired. And, and we all have times of intense excitement and activity in our lives, and that's wonderful as well, and God will give us the strength for that. And the third one, though, is the walk. Just, just walking. Just walking. And not growing weary. Uh, can I ask you, what, which one do you think is the hardest of the three? I can assure you, it's the, it's the latter. The walk. The daily plodding. The routine existence. The humdrum day-to-day routine. The monotony of this life, which is sometimes can be discouraging, and the enemy will try you with all sorts of things and make you wonder if things are even worthwhile. But as we wait upon the Lord at the foot of the cross, we receive strength for everything that we need, that we're called to. The mountaintop experiences... The times of great excitement and progress and joy and wisdom and strength for the daily Christian walk. Amen. Amen. I want to give you an example of someone who I believe was one of the greatest men of God of all time, Paul. From 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because God told me a long time ago. Don't ever just tell people about their situations. And and not try your best to leave them knowing exactly how to get out of that mess. Amen. Which I just did. But we'll use a person as an example. We'll say how did Paul deal with this? His personal testimony, as it were. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Starting around the 7th verse. If you remember, well you'll remember. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Paul had great revelation regarding God. He, 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 went, he went down to Jerusalem and all those who were supposed to be of importance. He was talking about Peter and James and all of those guys. He said, they, whatever they're supposed to be, it didn't matter to me. They didn't add anything to me. And he wasn't being discourteous. He was just, he was bragging on God. Just like when I told God, I'm not preaching unless you teach me. The church on every corner. They all disagree. What am I supposed to say? If I'm going to do it, you have to teach me. He said, okay. <laughs> like Moses. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in the entire world. 
You know who wrote that? Moses. Was that pride? No. He was just bragging on God in him. Amen. Verse 7. Paul said, So, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Take it away from me, Lord. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man. There was a. I've heard lots of people talk about different things. They thought this thorn in Paul's side where some sounded so silly. I just. But, I, you know, there was a demonic force that opposed him. I think it was a spirit that was. A, there every time he got to town, you know. <laughs> Paul didn't check into the Ramada Inn. He just went and checked. The, checked he went and visited the jail. Uh, or the accommodations like, I'll be here in a little while. <laughs> but Paul, just like us, found him... The strength of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God at the end of all his natural strength and abilities and talents and revelation. So at the end of our own strength and cleverness and power and ability to, to do the things that we think we can do and want to do we're going to find God at that same spot that Paul did and the trials and the pressures of this life while they're hard they're sometimes what keep us in a place to receive from God the things that we really need to accomplish all that he's called us to be and to do. Amen? It's really strength through humility, through God, through waiting upon the Lord. If I were to use one word to describe God's kind of strength and wisdom in your life and the way to release it into your life, I would just say yielding. By yielding to God. I used to describe it as that. There was an old commercial. About the Nestle plunge. And the guy would just fall backwards into the pool. 
<laughs> and that's how I always envisioned it when, when God started dealing with me in the first, the beginning of our relationship about that scary word, surrender. <laughs> and that's how he, he envisioned it to me. And it was just like that, really, when I finally did say yes and meant it. When I fell back and totally surrendered, it, it was just like splashing into a refreshing swimming pool on a hot summer day like this. It wasn't bad at all. It was just what I needed. Amen? I'm finish here. Luke chapter 9, just to kind of expound on that word a little bit and let Jesus tell us. It's always good just to go ahead and see what Jesus said, huh? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, and he said to all, that's all of us, <laughs> if anyone, again, <laughs> anyone, would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. No exception. Did, unless I missed something. Did y'all hear any room for excuses or exceptions? Huh? Read it one more time. Luke chapter 9, beginning in the 23rd verse, Jesus speaking. Said, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Amen. This is spiritual now. Doesn't mean go out and throw yourself off of <laughs> bridge or something. You have to get past the flesh and the carnal mind here to understand the teachings. But obviously this is a spiritual intent. Amen. <laughs> but he didn't say you could or your mother could write you a note or as long as your mom and dad had a pew with their name on it. Or you were related to the preacher. It, it says if you if you want to be my disciple, I, if you want to follow me, if you would call yourself by my name, you have to do these things. And I believe they're in this order. Deny yourself. We have to learn to say no to ourselves, folks. 
Everyone is born with a corrupted sin nature into this world, and there is an ego there. There is a soulish realm that the world thinks that's who you are. They, they think they're the body first, because that's what they take care of the most. And then the soulish realm they're familiar with, their, their, their personality, their mind, their will, and their emotions. But this is not what's supposed to run your life. We're three-part beings. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. If God created you in His image, and John 4.24 says God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, what are you? You're a spirit with a soul, with a mind, a will, and emotions, a personality, riding around in a, this temporary vehicle. When you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, one-third of your salvation was complete. Your spirit was renewed and sealed, incorruptible, perfected forever with the promised Holy Spirit, the earnest money, the down payment, the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God in you. The fruit of the Spirit, all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control you will ever need is already full-blown and full-grown. This thing, this soulish realm, all screwed up from the world. Some better than others, don't get me wrong. There's different levels of maturity, but that comes with reading this Word, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you take this into your prayer closet and ask the Holy Spirit to help you read this book. Smith Wigglesworth said, some people read the King James, some people read it in Hebrew, some people read it in Greek. I read it in the Holy Ghost. Your mind, your will, your emotion, your soul is the one being perfected. Don't be afraid of that word. You're not going to be perfect in this life. But are you willing to be perfected as you go? Amen. 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 Just agreeing with the word. Agreeing with the word. Yielding to the word, to the Holy Spirit. Deny yourself. Say no to that ego, to that soul, to your own desires. Because your soulish realm is always going to fight back. This flesh is always going to argue and try to resist the change. It wants its way. And it's going to say, I want this. I think this. I feel this. And you're going to say, it doesn't matter what you want or what you think or what you say. It's what God said. That rebel by birth doesn't get his way. Not that you have a dual nature, you don't. When the Lord came in, your old daddy, the devil, was kicked out. But now you have to renew your mind through the washing of the water of the word. If you want to participate... 
cooperate with all of the beautiful spiritual laws that God has in place for your benefit. Not to harm you, but to help you. There's over 8,000 promises in this word, and they're all yes and amen for you. You've got to find them. And then, not only that, but you have to read it. You have to mutter that. You have to say it and believe it and stand on it. Let that faith be released because your hope now has been ignited. You have a, a vision of being healed, of being prosperous, of restored relationships, <coughs> of saved family members, of whatever it is that godly imagination has given you to dream of because you have to ask Him sometimes to help you learn to dream again. I did. And now your faith has a target. Find the promise. You said what I say, baby. Right there, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, I remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You did it for one, you'll do it for me. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I claim this right now in the name of Jesus. I'm healed. That's right, baby. And then you let their faith go. And you let that faith reach out. That's the hand that reaches out and takes hold of the things provided through the atonement by the grace of God. And you don't let it rest until it returns, having accomplished what you've sent it out to do. That's the authority that you have as a believer, as a child of the Most High God. And you're living way below your inheritance, and so am I. But we don't have to. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. What's that? Taking up your cross daily. That's where my will and God's will cross. <laughs> and I just choose God's way. Right? Take up your cross daily. Jesus had to do the same thing. Garden of Gethsemane. Three times, God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But still, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that's where we have to get to. And then the third thing is follow Jesus. I don't believe that you can really truly be a follower of Jesus unless you have denied yourself, taken up your cross daily, and then... That level of maturity as a true follower, a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is the next step. John 12, 24 and 25. And I'm sorry, I went a little few minutes past, but I'm going to finish on this scripture right here. John 12, just to drive this home about yielding. John 12, because my brother said something about the seed earlier. If you... Look in chapter, John chapter 12 and uh, the 24th verse. John chapter 12, the 24th verse. Truly, truly, this is Jesus again. I say to you, 
Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Saying basically the same thing, but he's relating it now to the seed. Your life as a seed. And the seed that remains in our hand or in our pocket or in the sack. I have a chapter in my book if you want. And I talk about this. And it says, seed don't grow in the sack. Or the basket. Or the bag. You have to release it from your hand. Into the ground. And then that that hard outer husk. Around that kernel of wheat. Which is typifying you. Your life. Your body. Yourself. Once it gets into that ground then the earth will cause it to rot. And out of that decay and yielding and death, the power that God has placed within that seed will erupt, be released, and the power of God inside it will come to life and the ground will produce a new life, a better life, A more beautiful life. With strength and wisdom. And peace and love and joy. Amen. Amen. We have to let it all go, folks. We have a life. And it's ours. People say, it's my life. They love the forgiveness part, but they they don't like the lordship. I can't let him tell me what to do. It's my life. Yes, it's your life. And you know what? He will protect your right, your free will, all the way to hell if you want him to. He is a just God. He gave it to you. It's your choice what to do with it. But as long as it remains yours, and we won't let it go, we won't lose control, we refuse. To suffer in some ways. Nothing. But if we let it go. Then like I said. That old husk is broken down. And a beautiful new life. Will spring forth. It's an upside down kingdom folks. It's a kingdom of opposites. God is. Not like people think. Like I said, his greatest gifts are always on the lowest shelf. So you have to stoop down to receive them. Amen. Amen. To be the men and women that he created for us to be. That old man has to die by yielding to God through the cross of Jesus Christ. I used to say it like this. There's only one way across that proverbial Jordan. 
And that's on a bridge made out of an old rugged cross. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. And Jesus loves you. You have a good, good Father in heaven who loves you. And you need to know that. You need to know that you know that you know that He loves you. And will do anything to help you. If you just call upon Him. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. We want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And we just want to keep that going every day. You are a good, good Father. And we love you and we thank you for your precious word and your promises and your grace and your truth. Help us to take the seed of this word into the good ground of our hearts and allow it to take root and bear fruit in our lives, Lord. We thank you that we are free will offerings to you. We yield our lives to you, holy God. And we just thank you because we trust that you are going to make us into the men and women that you created us to be. So that none of the pages you've written for us in the Lamb's book of life, you've written our names, but all the pages you've written for us to be and to do, we will fulfill all of those things. Help us with this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you all and happy Father's Day.